where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Amen. Well, I got to be honest with you. I can't. It's not just Javi in the back saying amen or Javi over here on a, uh, I mean, uh, or Yaya over here on a uh, camera saying amen. But man, it's the entire body of Christ saying amen together. And so uh, just, man, so thankful, so grateful for what God is doing in the life of our church. And uh, man, just excited about where we are right now. Uh, have have many pastors asked me weekly, have many people asked me weekly, man, how you doing? And to be real honest with you, overall, I think I'm doing okay, but my family would probably tell you a little different. Uh, I'm probably a little more stressed now than normal just because I want to make sure that we're, we're taking advantage of every opportunity to love on the people around us. And, um, and, and so please be in prayer for us as a church as we try to run after uh, the people around us in our community. Um, I also want you to know that, uh, man, we need to be praying for our partners this morning. Uh, Koku uh, and Yvette that live in Togo, West Africa, talked to him this week. Uh, man, they, they are in need this morning. They're in need of financial help. They're in need of prayer help. And uh, we're going to look at opportunities this week to be able to minister to them. So thankful for Rolando and Lucy and the ministry there in Peru. I just want you to know, church, that uh, we have sent aid to Peru to help feed people there. Uh, We shared on our update this week about how we're going to try to help out India. Um, But man, our partners around the world uh, are not as blessed as we are to live in America with so many resources and so many ways of help being provided. But I know we're hurting. I know that many that will gather with us this morning, many of you that are watching right now are hurting. And so I just want you to know that we're praying for you. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for those here in Oxford and Lafayette and the Ole Miss community. And I want to just give a quick shout out to our graduates at Ole Miss. Um, we realized that you had to do a virtual graduation. Um, that's one of the reasons Yaya is home with us from Nashville this morning, and her brother put her to running a camera. But um, so thankful for our graduates at Ole Miss, and so just grateful for this weekend. Normally, this weekend would be one of those weekends in Oxford that you couldn't find a restaurant to eat in, you couldn't find a parking spot because of graduation, but then also for Mother's Day. And so this morning, I want to just say Happy Mother's Day. Um, and so thankful for our moms today. Uh, you know, I, I wrote this down because if I didn't, I would get emotional because if I think about the fact of what my own mom has meant to me, um, you know, I was blessed with an amazing mom growing up. She loved me and encouraged me in so many ways, uh, but she's been with Jesus for the last 12 years. And so I know for like so many of others today, it's great to celebrate, but it's also a little hard as well because mom's not with us. But I'm also thankful for my wife and the mom that she is to our boys. She is calm. She's our calm in the storm. And I know Adam and Caleb are super grateful for that. I know many of you would have a hard time believing this, but I'm not, I'm not the patient one. I'm not the calm one, but Beth is, and I praise God for her. Um, I'm blessed with a, an amazing mother-in-law. 
Uh, we call her Mama B, and so thankful for what she means to me. Uh, she's been so much a part of my life uh, for the last 25 years, but on the 22nd of this month, she's been my mother-in-law for 21 years, and I'm so thankful for her. I'm also blessed with so many others who have played a mom role in, in, in our lives, and I know many of you are that way too. I think about uh, Debbie, my, my dad's wife. We call her Lala. I think about Miss Ann Quentin. I think about Miss Kathy Biles. I think about Miss um, Pat Alford. I think about so many. I think about Becca Reynolds. I think about so many of these women. I think about women in our church that, like, Janice Fielder, you let somebody pick at me and she's ready to, 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 to beat them up because she thinks they're being serious. But man, moms are so, so special. Um, and so many women that God has put in our lives to play that mom role for us. So today we give a huge shout out to all those ladies today. And we just want to say a big thank you. So happy Mother's Day. Um, I hope that this day is special. I know that you would probably want a silent moment, maybe a peaceful moment by yourself. But in case you missed it, we're in quarantine. And so therefore, you will have to put up with your spouses and your children and your grandchildren today. But thank you so much for being the moms that you are. So happy Mother's Day to you. This morning, um, we will be back in the book of Acts. Uh, we are in chapter 10. And uh, we're going to look at 48 verses this morning, and some of you are looking at your watch and going, yo, pastor, it's 935. Are you sure about that? And the answer is yes. And so this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Um, and as we look at Acts chapter 10, um, we will continue this journey as, uh, uh, of, of what we're titling Acts, the gospel on the move. And so, 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 so just real quick, a quick review this morning from last week leading up to where we are this morning. We see Peter's miracle ministry start last week, okay? So there was a great miracle, okay, um, uh, in Acts chapter 9, and, and some would say um, that, that the greatest miracle God can do for us, you know, some people would ask, what is the greatest miracle that God can do for us? And some would say it was uh, the fact that, you know, um, that he would bring healing, so he would heal the body would be the greatest miracle, We'll see in just a minute that that's not the greatest miracle. But remember last week in Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 35. Now, as Peter went there, went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydia. There he found a man named Ananias bedridden for eight years who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up, rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Man, that's a great miracle. Many would say the greatest miracle that God's ever given us is healing. That's a great miracle. But a greater miracle is looking in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, where while others would vote for raising of the dead is the greatest miracle. Look at Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means darkest. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. They prepared her body for burial, is what that means. Okay? And look at verse 38. And since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. You're about to see a great miracle. 
a greater miracle than just healing. You're about to see a, a, a miracle of raising people from the dead. So it says in verse 38, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose, went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping, showing tunics and other garments that Darkus had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside. Remember last week, he put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. That's a, that's a great miracle. And he gave her his hand and he raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. So, Many would ask, what is the greatest miracle that God can do for us? Is it healing? Is it raising from the dead? Wearsby would say that he believes that the greatest miracle of all, the greatest miracle of all is salvation of a lost sinner. And I would have to agree with Warren Wearsby. Why? Because salvation costs the greatest price. It produces the greatest results. And hear this, church. It brings the greatest glory to God. Man, healing is a great miracle. Raising somebody from the dead is a greater miracle. But the greatest miracle of them all is what we're going to see in Acts chapter 10 this morning. is salvation to those who are lost. Why? Because salvation costs the greatest price, it, is, it produces the greatest results, and it brings the greatest glory to God. We see the door of faith. We see the door of faith open for the Jews in Acts chapter 2. We also see for the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. But now we will see Peter used by God to bring the Gentiles into the church. So I want to set something up before we get into chapter 10 this morning. And what I want you to see is this. In Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost, many theologians believe that it's about 10 years from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 2, Jews come to know Christ by the groves. Remember? When Peter preached, they said that 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. But now we will see Peter be used by God to bring Gentiles in the church. You see, chapter 10 in Acts is the greatest miracle. It is, a pivotal, it is pivotal in the book of Acts, for it records the salvation of Gentiles. We see Peter using the keys of the kingdom for the third and last time to open up the kingdom to the lost. Not just to the Jews, not just to the Samaritans, but also to the Gentiles. And church, can I just be real with you this morning? Can I just be really, really transparent with you this morning? And this is what I want you to see. Many would say in the Old Testament, because of the Old Testament law, because of uh, the, the, the way that Jews would live, that man, Jews would be Salvation would be for the Jews for sure. But Jesus came and said what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In John chapter 3, we see 
the writer of the gospel of John saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him, not just the Jews, it says whosoever. And remember in the gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see many dialogues between Jesus, a Jew, and Samaritans And Samaritans and Jews would not associate with themselves. So guess what? There was racism in the church. We don't like to call it that. We don't like to to point it out. But church, hear me. There has always been a prejudice towards others. Even in the church. Man, the Jews thought they were the only ones that could be saved. And then they saw Peter preach to the Samaritans, and Samaritans came to know Christ. We saw Jesus himself even preach to the Samaritans, and Samaritans came to know Christ. But check this out, church. We're not talking about Jews. We're not talking about Samaritans. We're talking about the, we're talking about the heathens. We're talking about the thugs. We're talking about the outcasts. We're talking about the Gentiles. We're talking they are about to come to know Christ. You ever felt like you're on the outside looking in? Up to this point, hear me, church, up to this point, the Gentiles were those people. Not only are the Gentiles about to be introduced to salvation, but again, we're going to see that Jesus came not just to save those who knew that they were messed up, He came to save even those who thought that they didn't need saving. You ever been around religious people? I mean, for real. Have you ever been around religious people? I'm talking about the legalistic ones. I'm talking about the ones that can quote Scripture. I mean, they they can do it all. And I mean, they will will spit it out. They will do it. I mean, they, they know it. But their hearts are far from God. They even claim to know God. They even pray to God. They even go to church. You know what I'm talking about. And some of you are like, well, Pastor, I feel like you're trying to make me judge this morning. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to judge because God's going to judge for himself. But pick up with me in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. We're going to see a religious man named Cornelius. Look at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Hey, church, let me ask you a question. If I was to say that you were a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God, would you say you're a good person? And the answer would probably be yes. Would you say that you're a person of faith? The answer would probably be yes. Would you say you're a religious person? The answer would probably be yes. And I'm not saying that Cornelius was not a religious man. I'm not saying that he was not a man of faith. But what I'm telling you is, is if we're not careful, some of us put our faith in things that will not save. And oh, by the way, we just got to verse 2. And we got to go to 48 of them. So stay with me. Verse 3 says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision. An angel of God came in to say to him, Cornelius, 
And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers, your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now, now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. Remember in Acts chapter 9, we see he stayed in Joppa, verse 43. In Acts chapter 9, verse 43, he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Verse 5 says, now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him and departed, he called two of his servants and, devout, and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Here's what I want you to see that's happening in verses 1 through 21. God is preparing Cornelius, and he is preparing Peter. Church, I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear it loudly this morning. My boys remind me, it doesn't mean that if I speak louder that you're going to hear it clearer, but I want you to hear something this morning, church, that sometimes I think we need to make sure that we hear very important news. It is only by grace that you are saved. And God has to be the one that prepares. God has to be the one that delivers. God has to be the one that saves. God has to be the one that leads. God has to be the one that guides. And that is exactly what's happening here. I got to be honest with you. When I'm studying this this week, church, I am sitting here thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. From Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10, you're telling me it's 10 years? Man, them boys are slow. I want you to know I've lived in a house... Beth and the boys and I have lived in a certain house for almost seven years come this September. And do you know that there are neighbors that live on my road? And we live out in the country, so there's probably only eight or nine houses. There are people on my road that I don't know that are saved or not. So how dare me judge the early church and go, man, it took y'all 10 years to get to the Gentiles? Why? Because God's timing is perfect. There is a preparation that is taking place. So remember, Cornelius had a vision. Now watch this. Verse 9 of Acts chapter 10. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop in about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while, he was, while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And it were all kind of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taking up at once to heaven. Man, if you're reading through scripture and you're, you, you don't really know what's going on here, you're like, um, so God going to give Cornelius a, a, a vision. Now he's going to give Peter a vision and, and, and he's, Peter's hungry and he's telling Peter, rise and kill. And, and, and Peter goes, no, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice came to him again in verse 15, a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. Church, why is he doing this? Because he is prepared 
preparing Peter to understand there's a guy that's about to send somebody to come get you so that you can be the delivery guy, that you can be the conduit, that you can be the instrument that God wants to use to take salvation to the Gentiles. And I need you to understand that if I've made it, there is nothing called common or unclean. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in a world that is so jacked up that thinks because if we're from a different nationality, God loves us more than he loves them. We are in such a jacked up place in the world and in the church today that we believe because we're a part of this particular denomination, we're more important than they are. So I'll start with the Baptist because I got saved in a Baptist church. You know, Baptists try to act like, oh, we're not that way. We want, gospel. we want the gospel for everybody. Oh, really? Go in most Baptist churches in Mississippi today and tell me how similar they look. And the Methodists are going, oh, well, he gave us a get-out-of-jail-free card. Oh, no, no, go in most Methodist churches in Mississippi today or in the South today and look how normal, how, how they all look the same. And text me, call me, I would love to have this discussion with you. And look, we try to pat ourselves on the back at at community church because we got black folks and Hispanic folks and we got some folks from Spain and we got some folks from Asia and all that kind of thing. Church, our church is not doing it any better, really, if you want to be honest. Well, we have a pastor of color. Well, good for you. We got a Hispanic service. We do too. But the point is, is this, church, that Jesus is trying to let us know, and God is trying to let Peter know, nothing is common or unclean that that God made. We are all equal in his eyes. And here's what I want you to notice in verse 16. This happened three times. The vision happened three times for Peter, like it was explained three times. Because not because Peter was slow, but Peter was also caught up in tradition. Peter was also caught up in the fact, are you sure? Even though scripture is very clear in Matthew chapter 28, for go and, and make disciples of all nations. It takes 10 years to get to the Gentiles. Before we start throwing them under the bus, how many years have you lived where you live and there are neighbors, next door neighbors, across the street neighbors, behind neighbors that you don't know that know Jesus or not? And by the way, I'm not saying you call time out in the middle of this sermon and go knock on their door this morning and go, hey, my preacher told me to come over here and ask you, do you know Jesus? But I mean, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, go. But also, I want you to understand, church, why don't we model Christ? I'll be honest with you this morning. Sometimes it's hard for me to model Christ to my wife and my kids. Why? Because I'm a sinner. But look at verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, which means he has no idea what is going on, he's kind of confused as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made an inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I've been asked to do certain things in my life. Even God has asked me to do certain things before, and I'm thinking, God, are you for real? Are you sure? Are, are you sure that we're, this is what you want to happen? Can you imagine those men that Cornelius called and said, hey, go over here to Joppa. When you get there, you're going to find a guy named Simon who's a tanner, and there's another guy named Peter, also called Simon, that's hanging out with him. And when you get there, ask him to come here. And look at what it says in verse 17, or verse 18. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down, and the men said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, on an upright, God-fearing man, who is well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by the holy angel to send for you, to come to his house, and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. And the next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied them. Here's what I want you to see this morning, church. God's grace, God's plan, God's purpose, God's promise, God's story is God's story, God's plan, God's purpose, God's way, God's promise. And guess what? When God wants it to happen, it'll happen. So don't you get it twisted this morning. If you have salvation, it is by grace. So we see the preparation take place. Now we're about to see, check this out, an explanation. And it started there in verse 23. So he invited them in as guests, and the next day they rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied them. Look at verses 24. We're going to look at verses 23 through 33 is the, 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 um, the proclamation. So 24 says, and the following day they entered Cornelius, uh, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. Here's what I want you to see. What God sometimes, you think, when, when God does something, sometimes you think it's for you, but it might not just be for you. It might be for your whole family. I don't know if you know this or not, but the reason we celebrate moms on this day, because moms are important. I always remind my boys of this. She brought you into the world. She can take you out. But it's also amazing that the way mom cares for her children, they listen to their mom. So what I'm saying to you today, moms, what I'm saying to you today, ladies, is if you know Jesus, probably your entire family will come to know Jesus because they listen to you. So Cornelius finds out that Peter's come, so he calls all of his family and all of his close friends. Look at verse 25. And when he entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted it up and saying, Stand up, I too am a man. We don't have time to dive into this this morning, but too many of you put too many other people on a pedestal. And the only one that deserves to be on a throne is King Jesus. And as they talked with him, he went and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why you sent for me? 
And church, here's what I want you to see. There's a preparation, but now there's an explanation. And here's what I want you to see, church, that salvation is for every man, every woman. It does not matter nationality. It does not matter gender. It does not matter anything. It matters that you are willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without objection and asked then, why are you sent for me? I mean, that's a pretty good question, right? Forget the fact that Peter and Cornelius both had a vision, had a dream. Verse 30, Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard from your alms and have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you, and at once you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. You know what I love about this? There are people that are watching today that are going to get saved today. And you think that the reason you got saved is because I'm preaching. If you think you're getting saved because I'm preaching, I don't know how to say this in any other way. You're an idiot. Because guess what? I can't save anybody. Only Jesus can. And I know that was a little direct, maybe a little too pointed for you. But the problem is when man gets out of the way, God gets the glory. Man doesn't save anybody. But there's a preparation, there's an explanation, and here's what I want you to see. There is a proclamation, Wearsby says. There's a preparation, there's an explanation, and there's a proclamation. Look at verses 33 and following all the way up to verse 43. I got to go a little faster. I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. There is a preparation. There is an explanation. There is now a proclamation, and Peter's about to preach. Look at verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is, is acceptable to him. It's for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and with the Holy Spirit and with the power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And look at verse 39. We are witnesses of all that he had did both in, this, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But look at verse 40. Peter's presenting the gospel for them. He's presenting the life of Christ. He's presenting the death of Christ. He's presenting the resurrection of Christ. And then they look at verse 40. He says, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as a witness who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
So Cornelius is saying, Peter, what are you here? Like Peter's, uh, Peter's saying, Cornelius, why did you send for me? And Cornelius says, I had a dream. I had a vision. There was a, a man of God standing before me. He told me to send you because you had a message for me. And what is the message here at church? Verse 43, to him, the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What is he telling Cornelius? What is he telling his relatives? What is he telling his friends? Jesus saves, period. Salvation is found from no one alone except Jesus. There is only one way to heaven, and I understand there will be people that gather with us today via live stream. There will be some that will listen to our podcast, and they go, you're so narrow-minded. You better believe it we're narrow-minded because there is one way, and his name is Jesus. And you don't believe us? That's okay. Bet your life on it. Because he might heal you from the coronavirus, and he might even raise you from the dead. But hear me, church, the greatest miracle that will ever happen in your life is when he takes you from a sinner, lost, doomed from hell, and puts you on the right path of salvation with Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and make their way back up. So we see a preparation, an explanation, and a proclamation. Now we're about to see a vindication. And you know I stole this from a commentary because there's no way I would have come up with that word. There's a preparation in verses 1 through 22. There's an explanation in verses 23 through 32. And in verses 33 through 43, there's a proclamation, but now there's about to be a vindication. And this is what I want you to see. Check this out, beginning in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You see what Peter just did there? He's saying to those who were already in Christ, who were still struggling with, could Jesus really save anybody and everybody? He says it right here in verse 46. For where, or verse 47, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You know what he's saying? There's no partiality. There's no distinction. There's no unclean. There's no common. What God has made is all clean, all common. And look, verse, verse 48, the vindication. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and then they asked him to remain for some days. And church, here's what I want you to get this morning. I think there's too many of us in the church Man, we fear God. We pray. We even give to the church. But our salvation, or maybe a lack of salvation, has not caused us to want to share with others what Christ has done in our life. Right before I came up to preach, we sang one of my favorite songs. And some of you will go, oh, man, that's a new song. I don't know if you know this or not. We've only been doing this for about 2,020 years, so they're all new songs, by the way. It's called Waymaker. 
And it just simply says that he's a promise keeper, he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker, he's the light in the darkness. And I'm afraid that too many of us are like Cornelius. When the churches were open, man, we were in them. When we had Bible study or Sunday school or community groups, we were there. When the church needed somebody to serve, man, we were there. But church, can I ask you a question this morning? Can I ask you a couple, actually? Will you examine your life this morning? I mean, like, for real, examine your life. Like, I even, as I'm studying this this week, man, I ask myself, am I saved? And I know what some of you are going, man, I know you're saved. But church, can we just be real this morning? Really, the only person that knows you're saved or not is you. Man, I could be a complete fake, and I know there's some haters out there that believe I am. That's why you don't put your faith in men or women, because we'll let you down. But I want you to examine, really examine your life in several ways this morning. First of all, I want you to ask yourself why salvation is the greatest miracle. Because I get it, man. Some of us are praying right now for the miracle of healing. And man, I hope God hears that prayer. Maybe somebody in these last days has has lost someone that they love so closely. And man, they're hoping that God would even raise them from the dead. And I'm not saying that God can't do that. But would you really ask yourself the question this morning, why is salvation the greatest miracle? I mean, I told you this morning when we began, the reason it's the greatest miracle, because it costs the most. And it brings the greatest glory to God. The second thing I would ask you to examine this morning is just, do you see that there is no partiality? Salvation is available for everyone. Do you remember what he said right here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 36? He is the Lord of all. So first, do you see why salvation is the greatest miracle? Second, do you see why there is no because he's the Lord of all? And then finally, are you religious Are you saved? My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.